You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 366 of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And tonight we have so much to discuss. It's going to be like putting three podcasters in a marble bag as we discuss the best little whorehouse in Texas. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. That works. That works, right? Yeah. I mean, we are... We are basically in, a, in like a little marble bag here. We're all just like tightly scrunched up together and like elbowing each other out of the way. Sure, that's what we'll go with. Yeah, sure. That's exactly what it is. No reference to cock and balls at all in, in, in that uh, thing. So. You just, you just gotta say it, don't you, Nathan? You just gotta ruin, ruin everything. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, so yeah, tonight we are discussing the best little horror house in Texas. And in case you missed our popcorn punch out, uh, the the way that we got here tonight is um, it was added to the skull of decisions by the audience. Which you know, we should we should probably go ahead and take just a quick minute here. All three of the movies that we've discussed this month were audience picks. Yes, sir. I, yeah, bastards. I don't think that I realized that like when we were actually doing our punch out, but when I was going back through and uh, and, and re-listening to it before I posted it, I was like, hey, wait a second. All of, all of these were audience picks. That's something. The audience knows us better than we know ourselves sometimes. At least it's better than being a podcaster. Uh, all right. So it was uh, added to the call of decisions by the audience picks. And then in round one, it won against Singing in the Rain. In round two, it won against All That Jazz. In round three, it uh, very tragically won against Shock Treatment. Or Shock Treatment's third loss of the night. <laughs> Yeah, some might say tragically, some might say triumphantly. But, yeah, you know. I just love that Best Little Horror House uh, defeated two classics and and then uh, a great movie. But I'm also super excited to be talking about it tonight because this was the first time that I saw it. And, and I've got lots of very Nathan-y thoughts about them that we will dive into in just a minute. So before we get started, Dan, do you have our Video Monsters summary and recommendation? Oh, of course I do. I half expected you to say, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm striking in my cowboy boots. All right. In anticipation. When Tucker Carlson's slightly more effeminate ground decides to put an end to elicit SEX in Texas, he need look no further than the Chicken Ranch, a decades-old Lone Star institution known for its public service, Provided to soldiers, football players, and to no one's surprise at all, 
wishy-washy, flip-flopping, lily-livered, no-account side-stepping politicians. <laughs> For the first time in his life, Dom Devoweed, as the closeted pervert slash crusader Melvin, might have bitten off more than he can chew. Because this little bitty pissant country place is run and supported by the biggest pair of knockouts that 1982 can offer in Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. Armed with her two biggest assets, supply and demand, Dolly fights back again, <laughs> eminent closure the only way she knows how. By peeling back the self-righteous veneer of the moral minority and exposing the hypocrisy of truth, justice, and, as presented by the media, the American way. <laughs> or she'll sing a song. Either way, Dolly and Bert aren't ready to give up on the best little whorehouse in Texas. And for that, Video Monsters will... Oh, man. Dan, that audio didn't come through when it sounded like you were playing something. When he said, and for that, Video Monsters will... We'll always oh. love you. <laughs> uh, I played the Whitney Houston clip. Apparently, it didn't come through as well. Well, that's too. It's because yeah, the podcast is like get that Whitney Houston out of here. This is a dumb <laughs> yeah. podcast. It's because the podcast knew how cursed we've been over the last few weeks, and it said, "You know what? I want to going to give you a gift and have Dan sing it instead." So. Yes, that, that is true. definitely a gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Speaking Bravo. of gifts, like Dan, my God, why, why, <laughs> like you could, you should just do this by yourself. Like, what the fuck are Nate and I even here for? <laughs> hey, 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 now, hey now, hey now. It's like and scene. We're done. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many more oh, things man. we need to talk I, I about. I had you when you both started to like suppress the chuckles when I referred to Dom DeLuise as Tucker Carlson's less effeminate, slightly more effeminate grandfather. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that it began with the Tucker Carlson reference. That right there, I was just like, oh man, we're going places on this episode. Mm. Oh, uh, oh, there's, oh god. Yeah, there, there is a ton to discuss with this movie. And, ah, there's, alright, look. <clears throat> I want to start out by saying that I love this movie. I had so much fun with this movie. I really love this movie. It's also true that there's a few things that I, with it being the first time that I saw it, I, I don't know how some of the things held up, but we'll get there because uh, I want to start with some of the stuff that we loved. And um, yeah, it's it, I mean, th this movie was a lot of fun. Um, it was the first time that I saw it and I did not expect Burt Reynolds to, to really be singing. And and that was yeah. And you something. Did, luckily, you didn't get that. <laughs> he he kind of does in that one song at all. <laughs> he kinda does in the. He does uh, a little bit in the sneaking you. around with you bit, but he <laughs> does like a. He just kind of like lack it I basically. Defi by definition, it is singing. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like like me doing that intro was by definition singing. Let's yeah. not call it that. It's a bit I mean, sing-songy, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. still singing. Uh, yeah. So well, and before we started, I I shared with you guys there was another song that he sang called was it was called When Stallions Run because mm -hmm. Dolly Parton wrote a ballad. Like I don't think that was in the original musical version. Dolly Parton wrote that for him. And if you watch, it's on YouTube and it's amazing. But it's like very clear that 
it's a really funny song because it's basically <laughs> him watching a bunch of horses and talking about how he wants to be free or whatever and he wants to uh, be able to have the pride of a staff. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's so cheesy and so funny, but it's also like yeah, they cut this because Burt Reynolds cannot sing. <laughs> God bless him for trying, but he cannot sing. Alright, look, so since you're going to go ahead and bring up that song, um, I was going to hold off on some of the things that I didn't love as much, but uh, I guess now we have to transition right into this. Alright, so here's one of the things that kind of bugged me sure. about this movie. And again, I love this movie. I had so much fun with it. Overall, yeah, definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Maybe this was more of just an expectation thing on on my part, but this movie felt so much more like Burt Reynolds' movie than Dolly Parton's movie, where it felt like it was following his character arc, and it was about him overcoming his struggles, and he was the one who, you know, like had to kind of like go quasi-save the day. Like, it was only following him and and dolly felt more like a plot line for him rather than it being about her with with uh with with burt reynolds being more of just like a side character or like being about the two of them and again maybe it was just expectations but i i assumed that this was going to be dolly's story and that burt was just going to be kind of a side piece and well i don't know how i feel about that well, thematically, I mean, it can't be her story because she's fine with who she is and where she, what she's doing and where she's at for the majority yeah. of the movie. She, there's no conflict for her in what she's doing. Whereas, I mean, Bert's under pressure. It, it, you know, it's his, he's the one who's going to be facing the wrath of Dom DeLuise. But there's also he's like the no sacrifice for him. And, and there is... But the the thing that really drove it home for me, because I, I really enjoy their story. I really do enjoy so much of what's happening. It's when it got to the um, uh, uh, Hard Candy Christmas song, where, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a really good song. And it's here's all of these uh, all of these women saying, maybe I'll go buy a car. Maybe I'll move out west. Maybe I'll go to Vegas. Maybe I'll go back home. Maybe I'll get a job. Like all of these women showing you they have no idea what's going to happen to their lives now. They don't know what's next for them. And all of their lives were destroyed by spoilers, by the way, major spoilers. We're, we're going to be doing the same thing that we always do. If you're if you're listening to us for the first time, we analyze the crap out of movies and we dive super deep into things and and we uh, discuss them when we analyze them and we spoil the end of the movie. If this is not the first time, you should know this by now. Um, but yeah, so when they get to the hard candy Christmas song and like all of the girls are moving out and it's just like what's going to happen to them all of their lives have now been presumably destroyed yeah and then when it gets to dolly it's just kind of like you know she she has that big moment of it saying look we're not meant for each other i love you i'll always love you but i, I can't be settled down like we we just i, I love you bert or whatever your name was mm-hmm. in the movie but we're just not meant to actually at earl uh we're just not meant to be together and then he's like no, fuck that. I'm going to put your bags in, in my truck and we're just going to get married. <laughs> he like angrily storms out and is like, give me your shit and put it in the truck. <laughs> That's Burt Reynolds like go to move. That's what gets I know, right? Smokey and the bandit. And he literally <laughs> sweeps her off her feet and th- puts her in the truck. 
And, and so, I don't know if you knew this, he actually injured himself pretty severely when he did that. Yeah, he got a hernia or something, I think. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he, he yeah. like really fucked up his back for a while, <laughs> that's, sweeping that's dolly for feet. That's not funny. I wonder why, <laughs> but I still laugh. But yeah, so like, you know, he's just like, all right, quit whatever it was that you were about to do. Like, don't go be independent. Just stay here and mirror me. I don't care what people say because then I'm going to go be a senator and you're just going to be... My wife, like, I, I don't know, there's just something about, I, I feel like there's a lot of really good feminist messages in this movie, and there's so much that I really loved that it got to that piece, and I was like, I, mm, I don't know. Yeah, for a very sex-positive movie, but again, this is 1982, this is like the same summer as E.T., or, or was yeah. it ready for Dolly Parton to keep whoring? It's, it wasn't even about <laughs> I mean, that. yeah. It, it just I feel like and, and sure it was 82 it was based off a of stage play it was like I get all of those things which is why it's not like a, oh man I hate this it's just like a well that's not quite, I would, quite what I expected and it kind of hit me a little funny because I expected it to I, I feel like it would have been a much more powerful but admittedly a very different movie if it had been following Dolly and her girls and like everything that's happening you were following what's happening to them so that then when they actually do get kicked out of the chicken ranch, like you really feel for these girls, but you don't know anything about any of them. I don't know if you even know yeah. any of their names other than Miss Mona. And and so, so what you're oh sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go go ahead. I was gonna say, so what you're really hoping for is like a Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga reteaming to remake this movie. Oh my god. With with, with more of her perspective and him way more beaten down by being the law not even necessarily uh, this sounds incredible not, <laughs> not necessarily to. i i think all right so here's one of the reasons why it was so jarring for me and again i do love this movie i would rank it very highly i'm so glad that we're talking about it the first half ish of the movie like it's fun it's peppy it's it's you know just very lighthearted. it's very easygoing and it's on this path to where you think, oh, everything's going to work out for the chicken house. You think everything's going to work out for uh, chicken ranch. Everything's going to work out for these girls. Everything's going to be just fine because it's such a light movie. And then it hits that part where it's like, no, no, we're going to have like some actual consequences in here. And yeah. things are actually going to fall apart. And it's like, all right, I don't feel like the weight of this emotional moment is really hitting because we've been following Bert's character. And I feel like his trajectory is fine. I just, I, I yeah. don't know. There's, there's something about it that bugged me. And again, maybe it was just expectations. If I had uh, watched it when I was younger and didn't have the same uh, level of analysis that I do now, rewatching it, it probably would be like, oh man, this movie is so much fun. I just, I, I, I don't well, it's know. One of, it's one of those things where I wonder if Bert had any say. Because, I mean, Bert at this point is like one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Yeah. And I wonder if he's like, no, this has to be a happy ending type of thing. Like, of course, he's of course, he's going to get Dolly at the end of the movie. I'm actually not sure. So I know that in the <clears throat> like my understanding is that there wasn't a original and this is all IMDb trivia. I didn't have a chance to do much <laughs> more research beyond that. But my understanding is that there, the author like Larry L. King or whatever, the screenwriter, <laughs> Uh, I don't think it originally had them as a romantic couple. 
like my understanding is that Dolly is actually the one who pushed the romance because she knew she was going to be in a movie with Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and like, if you're going to be in a movie opposite Burt Reynolds, like, of course you want to be in a ro- in like in a relationship with that guy. Yeah. So like, can't blame her for that at all. And so it feels like it is mm. the romance. I mean, the romance stuff is so strong throughout the movie. Um, but it does feel like it is a little too neat and tidy by the end of it. And it does feel yeah. a little too like happy ending in a, in a very conventional surprisingly kind of conservative way because it's like, oh, well, you don't have to be a whore anymore. You know, you can come be my bride or whatever, but especially especially because, and uh, Eric, I'm going to let you finish, but especially with the the scene where they're yelling at each other and and she says that you're never going to grow up, you're never going to be anything, and then he says it's better than being a whore. Like, that's such a strong scene. We're going to come back to it in a second. But, like, especially because of that, then it feels like things just kind of, Eric, like you said, there's just this nice, tidy romance to tie everything up. And it's just, I don't, it likes me a little bit. Well, and the the original cut of the film was a lot. I mean, this is already a pretty long movie for, for, it's like two hours long. But the original version of the movie ran two and a half hours. And it was a little bit more like what you're talking about, Nathan. Like, there was... There was a subplot involving like a new worker at the chicken ranch coming in, and you followed her story, but um, they had to cut it down, and so that's why that's the whole reason there's the like uh, framing device with Jim Neighbors uh, as uh, <laughs> to, to Officer Fred telling gaps. the story of the chicken ranch because it was going to open up with a whole different musical number and everything, but they had to cut it down, so they cut like the subplot with the new worker at the chicken ranch and. And then just like had Jim Neighbors kind of tell you the history of the chicken ranch instead and kind of shorten that a little bit and speed up the pacing. Um, so, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying, although I do. It doesn't really bother me that much because I do think this movie so much of it and so much of the conflict of this movie is more about like the roles that these people characters play in society like the way that what society expects of them versus what they want to do like dolly parton or mona strangely staying i can't remember how, what her last name is but um but like mona it, it like it feels like what's expected of her is to leave this town and not drag down ed Earl's political ambitions or anything you know because she's always going to be seen as you know the the uh, the madam of the what is I don't even does she have a, a name for what she is like the, just the manager of the chicken ranch I guess I mean she's she's the man I feel like is it what now I, is she, I don't she, know lady of the, yeah I was gonna say the she's lady the of the house like that's it's obviously pimp? what she is yeah pimp doesn't sound right well they no. they even make a joke about we don't need no pimps here or something <laughs> like that and they're like that one song that they sing is almost like a rap song at one point <laughs> they keep going faster and faster um. But yeah, uh, they uh, like it feels to me like she is trying to do, you know, she she spends the whole movie as this very confident person. She's never, ever she never, ever calls into question her role in society in any way. Like she's fully confident in what she does. She doesn't have any kind of reservations about it. But then, you know, when all this attention is brought upon the chicken ranch and especially on Ed Earl, the man that she loves, she starts really kind of questioning her role in that. And she feels bad about, you know, what this has brought on him because he's obviously very conflicted about it and all that. So it feels to me like when the chicken ranch closes at the end that she feels like she does love him and she wants to be with him, but she 
seems to think that she needs to leave but she to, because that's what's best for him but mm. she also like wanted him to marry her at the beginning so it doesn't feel I, right I, but if but I this but because of the situation they've been through she is trying to like she's trying to spare him from any more embarrassment or or struggle or anything like that and and that's fine and again please don't misunderstand i'm not saying that this is what the movie should have been sure no i mean i get what you're saying too it, and it's I, just I, that expectation you. it kind of hit me a little funny when i was having so much fun and it was so silly and like the scene when uh when when the aggie football team is riding in <laughs> on the truck like it's so funny and like the biggest musical number of the entire movie is the 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 tipping point where it goes from this is a really fun happy lighthearted musical about a whorehouse into a and here's how everyone's lives are going to be wrecked because of uh the the stevie personality and like it, it just gets darker after that but without going full dark and then it throws in a few other really light musical numbers and and i i just feel like it's a little bit difficult for the movie to really balance that tone Overall, I think that it's a fun movie with little moments of darkness to, you know, give it just a little bit of emotion. Yeah. And and again, I think that overall it works. It's just I think it's because I was expecting this again to be Dolly's movie about the best little horror house in Texas, not the hot headed, most hot headed sheriff in Texas, you know, <laughs> and I, I, th- I think that that's where it kind of struck me a, a little bit different it'd be like watching a scream movie all about dewey you know sounds good to me i don't know what you're talking about on board (laughs) not saying that it's a bad thing it would be the expectation well i mean a scream movie all about dewey is called scream three you're right and you you know how (laughs) you know the conversation we had about that one of course i like that movie so i just i don't know uh all right so that that's pretty much like my biggest not even complaint but thing that i am trying to reconcile when i think about this movie is how some of the tone shifted a little bit and how i don't love the way that it treats dolly and uh, and the rest of the girls story like that, that it bugs me a little bit the other thing and we can just go ahead and get uh, again some of the quasi critiques out of the way and it's been the rest of the time talking about just how much fun it is I honestly don't know where this movie falls on its social commentary because there are some moments that is like, yes, this is like great biting social commentary that is still relevant 40 years later. And then there's other times where it's like, oh, this is a conservative's wet dream. Oh, wait, no, no. It's making fun of those conservatives. Wait, but it's still also glorifying the people who voted for those conservatives i'm confused yeah i mean this movie sounds like texas politics yeah well i had the same thought because like (laughs) this movie is so good that it makes you root for a cop to go and disrupt a peaceful protest (laughs) like there's a point where where, where burt riddles comes up to a a peaceful protest where you know the melvin p thorpe is Mm -hmm. out at the courthouse singing about how there's a there's a whorehouse in texas Texas has a whorehouse in it. Yeah. Um, and he comes up and he starts like calling him a wig wearing, uh, whatever city fied. I, I wrote it down. I can't remember, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And he literally starts shooting his gun off at this protest. <laughs> and I think he, doesn't he punch him too? He oh, like, yeah. literally punches him. Yeah. I don't, I don't he doesn't and punch him like, then does he? He punches him later. 
He does punch him later. I know. I I couldn't remember if he punches him or no. I guess he. He like backs him into the into the fountain. Yeah, and like that's the thing is like you're rooting for the you're rooting for the sheriff to fire his gun in public to intimidate someone who is trying to call out moral ills or what he perceives to be moral ills. But he's right. But of course, it's a person who's like sitting here like casting judgment on women for just doing what they want with their bodies and making money and making the community like improving the community that they live in right well let's not forget dolly is civic minded in this movie yeah absolutely she's great she she is the like fantastic part of that community she's not arms for the baseball team yeah she's not just out there sitting on her whoring money you know she's she's reinvesting it in small businesses yeah yeah Oh, the line is "Get out of here, you goddamn wig wearing, citified son of a bitch!" And then he shoots his gut off. It's so good. Oh god, so, so good. So that, that's that's the other thing. Along with we're rooting for. Now, to be fair, we're rooting for Burt Reynolds. Like it doesn't matter what role he would have been in. We all kind of would have been sure. Yeah. But then also, uh, not only are we rooting for the sheriff firing his gun to disrupt a peaceful protest. We're also rooting against the very queer coded character. And like, that's the other thing that bugged me. And like, I, I get the dichotomy of the small town Texas and, and you know, the citified, like, uh, uh, like the old uh, paste picante uh, salsa. We're like, New York City. Like, I New get, York City. Yes. <laughs> so I get it. I get that it's supposed to be more about the city boy doesn't belong in Texas. I get it. Uh, even even the line about how um, when Melvin said that he's from Jersey, but Texas fits his style just in terms of being like so large and flamboyant. Like I mm. get the I get what's being done with city versus you're not from this small town. You're not from around here, are you? I get it. It also they they made him very queer coded, which you know, like I don't like the fact that the villain is is the most queer coded uh, of of the movie, and it's like there's little things like that where I think that it's more of a the movie didn't hold up. This was. Yeah, this I'm was not maybe, sure so much if they're queer coding him as much as just making him effeminate to. Irk. I think he's just right. very oppressed, right. or, or, or like suppressed, and you know, yeah. like right, and and there's there's I some mean, ambiguity. Like I, you're right. It might just be he's very effeminate and very outlandish and very look at me. Again, Texas fits his style. Like, it could be all of those things. Very, very true. And also, this was made 40 years ago. So I I get the time difference, and I get watching it now. It has yeah. a very different lens on it. But, like, there's some of those little things. But then there's also the commentary about... Um, uh, when when the senator is like, oh, well, as you know, being the, the foremost anti-communist on this committee... <laughs> Obviously, I was drugged by a communist and and put in the whorehouse. That and, oh yeah yeah when they get caught and, yeah yeah and like mm-hmm. that rings very true to people who are just like oh what's that you want to take away some of my money you're a socialist socialism is evil like some of the right, commentary yeah. is still very appropriate and and I think we're still it, with, like we're recording this on the day that Trump's Mar-a-Lago got raided by the FBI. I am waiting for someone to say, "Oh, that was planted there." Much <laughs> oh, like, yeah. much like the senator's defense, Antifa of, and the which socialists, communists must have hidden. 
the communists must have kidnapped me and drugged me and brought me here. He literally says, as the most staunchly anti-communist senator, I can only assume yeah. that I was drugged by communists and planted here. I was the thing that was planted here to ruin my reputation. Yeah. It's so funny. God, this movie's so good. Um, I, I will say, to, to, to your point about Dom DeLuise's character, Nathan, I first of all, I think that he's kind of the weakest part of the movie for me. He's a little... Like this movie is so good at being satirical, but also rooted in a reality that for anyone who grow, who's grown up in the South, like any any of these goofy lines that people say in the movie, even if there's a bit of a wink to it, like feels like something that a person could unironically say from the South and like have no idea of of, of the irony in their statement. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um it's it's so it feels so authentic but and he's maybe a little bit too much of a caricature caricature it, but i do think that there is an honesty to the way that he is portrayed in terms of being a repressed individual and that is such a strong undercurrent to conservatism and the the kind of moral outrage that they have is so often it is rooted in like this is something that i could never do therefore i don't think other people should do that and because they are not you know because they don't allow themselves to have their asses tickled with feathers <laughs> they they're they have all this like bottled up in them and they have to unleash that onto other people who are you know they see other people living their lives the way they want to and they are and it just deeply upsets them because like how dare you feel that like how dare you do this thing that is you know something that i can't do to a certain extent you know like that's a very big generalization I'm making. But you know what I mean? Like with conservatism, it is very much so much of it is rooted in people like having these repressed emotions and feelings because they don't indulge in these kind of things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That would make them happier people. And, and the commentary that they do make about him in the movie where he's talking and, and it's so on the nose. But again, you all know that I have no problem with commentary being on the nose when he's talking about how uh, he's talking to Burt Reynolds and he's like, thank God, you know, I'm still living in a time where I can uh, have the power to speak against people being phony or whatever that line is. He's talking about like, mm, yeah, how yeah. much he hates people being phony as he is tying up his girdle and putting a tube sock down his pants. And so like right, that yeah. commentary of I'm just here to speak truth and to call out all of these lies in society as he himself is a walking lie. That commentary, I think, works great because, I mean, that shit is all over Fox News <laughs> where mm. you get tons of people like, I'm calling out all of these people, these child rapists. And then you find like, you know, yeah, there's a there's an I invoked Tucker Carlson at the end. Yeah, that, Tucker, I was about to say Tucker Carlson is a perfect metaphor for with his whole, perfect you know, I'm going to put on a flannel shirt and tell tell you how to be manly. Yeah. yeah. So, so like same with like Ted that. Cruz or all these other people oh. like yeah. Ted Cruz is a little theater boy who wants to be a hard ass Texas uh, cowboy. <laughs> yep. So, so again, all of that commentary I think does work. And uh, the, the 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 line, and it's it's just like a throwaway line. But later, where the news broadcaster, not um, not Dom DeLuise's character, but the one that you just like get a glimpse of as Jim Neighbors walks in the background, where he's talking about you know like so many people in town and feminists are there fighting for uh, sexual autonomy basically but then how conservatives are doing all this other stuff like there's that little throwaway line of yes the feminists are right and fuck conservatives 
Mm-hmm. But, but like, yeah, it's like it, feminist lineup behind decriminalization of. Yeah. And yeah, so the there's bar, all yeah. of these little nuggets of like how progressive this movie is and how many things it's tackling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we already talked about the um, uh, the senator saying I was drugged by communists, but also the governor um played by oh my god i can't charles durning yeah, charles, charles durning. durning yeah the governor played by charles durning and his, his song sidestepping musical number oh my god was a fucking thing of beauty it that, is so amazing that encapsulate that encapsulates modern politics so well with so many people who are just like pretty much anyone who is not one of the fringe lunatics that's all they do i mean it's so perfect they do yep yeah he like i love the way that it just like it it implies that the only reason he is a politician is because he loves the dance of like he just Mm -hmm. likes the challenge of being able to sidestep every single issue it is so so (laughs) funny charles durning got an uh, best supporting actor oscar nomination for this movie and he's only in the movie for like six minutes and yeah, that blew absolutely my mind. Deserved it. <laughs> those, those are some. <laughs> he should have won probably. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, his his song is like Richard Gere's song, uh, "Razzle Dazzle" in Chicago, where like it's all about the dance. It's all about like you're oh, just. You mean there. the worst song in Chicago? Whatever. <laughs> it's a fine song. I didn't say it's the best <laughs> but song. no, no, I know what you mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you, you have him doing the the whole razzle dazzle, and like the fact that all of the other that is actually actual 100%. news agencies that are there that are trying to get real answers from him, like no one pays attention to any of those news companies that they're like. So what did they say again? Same as always, nothing. Like no one's listening to actual news calling out the governor for not saying a goddamn thing but they're still following dom de louise because he is the television character he is the caricature he is the personality he is yeah yeah the the proto fox news it's yeah this was like the beginnings of like geraldo you know this time frame Mm -hmm. and that whole gotcha journalism where you know we're gonna dig up dirt might not be real but we're gonna we're gonna present you something and the whole thing is about the sensationalism of it. It gets, yeah. it gets back to that repression where it's like people want to watch this because of how outlandish it is because they're like, ooh, like, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, we want the sex house to be shut down. But also if it's on TV, I'm watching the hell out of it. And, yeah. you know, Dom Louise is literally breaking and entering. And as he's going through, he's well, wait, he says something to the one woman and then he's like, he just rips the towel off of her. Like yeah. she is covered up and then he makes her naked. Yeah. Like he which of her and then takes pictures of her actual like, nudity in this film stunned me because like yeah. there had been like no nudity up until that point yeah and then there's i was pretty good amount in that in that scene like too. holy shit, there's nudity in this all of a sudden <laughs> yeah i was not expecting it by that point yeah and like that would have been the, the only reason this was rated r but like it it, yeah. it feels so this does not feel like a rated r movie it feels like a pg movie no. with tits it doesn't yeah it's but like even honestly that, that nudity sh- sh- I hate to f- go along with Dom DeLuise's message here but I don't think that nudity should have been in the film it, <laughs> I think I, it works because I do it, think it shows you how much of a creep and how like and how um, hypocritical he is because it's like he, that. he still could have done that without showing the nudity here's and this yeah, yeah. so so here's here's yeah, the thing it's that. a weird point to be arguing right now my like 13 year old self is kicking me in the the shit <laughs> happens, like what do you well here's here's the thing with that though you don't need to be in there 
it, it just yeah it, for a film that otherwise didn't didn't have anything rated r in it, it you know it mostly dances around the the, the yeah. sexual stuff like it, it, at the beginning whenever it talks about what they're doing it shows them like having sex in silhouette and stuff like that so it uh, so whenever yeah whenever it goes to that scene mm-hmm. where they're all running through the house and it shows them all having sex and stuff it is a little bit <laughs> shocking how how much it shows and again mm-hmm. that ties in with what i was saying earlier of after the aggies go to the uh, the chicken ranch that's where the movie takes such a drastic tonal shift mm-hmm. that it makes it feel awkward and and like that's where it, that's where it happens like yeah because dom delouis is running through there it's it's funny it's silly you want um uh, oh shit what's your name but i, th- um, you, I like, think that you, works you, though because it's it's awkward because it's such an invasion of their privacy. It is an You know, invasion. like what they're doing doesn't feel dirty or I mean, you know, nothing dirty's going on. Yeah. As they say throughout <laughs> the movie, like it doesn't feel like this horrible thing. It's just these are a bunch of people hanging out and having a good time. Like the movie the build up to that is so incredible with the Aggie song because you see like the God, that that's Dude. so incredible. Whenever they're like dancing around in the locker room and they're <laughs> like naked in the shower and then <laughs> getting dressed and dancing, and like this this sequence lasts like six minutes in the locker room and then goes mm. into another like six minute sequence of them dancing outside and it's so exuberant and sweet and beautiful and there and again it doesn't feel dirty or leering in any kind of way. It's like yeah, they're just having a good time. And what's wrong with this? Yeah. And then so yeah, I think. It, supposed to make you feel yeah it's it's literally like bigger than christmas you know for these guys (laughs) yeah there's there's a line at the beginning of the movie where they talk about how like it's a tradition and the alumni association pays for it yeah Yeah. so much that like they have both color decorations on hand at the ranch they're just waiting to hear the final score before knowing which the last of the colors to put up you know well and you know it's where uh, history and aggie boys get made so um <laughs> the uh she was uh, there, there was something else i was gonna say in relation to all of that uh we were talking about the the horror house ah shit i forgot the horror house the horror house <laughs> oh no that's right now i remember um yeah, and you know, like one of the things that uh, one of the other themes that I do love in this movie, and again, like it's kind of a throwaway line that said a couple of times. Uh, and and uh, okay, the the line about uh, people are always confusing crime with sin, or uh, politicians are always confusing crime with sin, and mm-hmm. if that ain't what we're dealing with right now, with oh. I don't think that people should have the right to choose. So we're going to ban all abortions, guaranteeing that even more women are going to die in childbirth. Yeah. And why don't we get rid of birth control and stuff too? Like who needs it? Yeah. Fuck (laughs) it. You know, just get rid of all of that women health care. So the fact that this movie is directly dealing with female bodily autonomy and politicians confusing their own sense of morality, which they still engage (laughs) in, with oh this must be illegal yeah the the fact that it's in uh the current supreme ruling um era it's just like again it made it so relevant and it's all of these little nuggets that are throughout best little horror house in texas that i feel like give it so much social commentary and so progressive and so forward thinking yeah and like almost all of dolly's lines I felt like she was saying them i do not feel like she was playing miss mona i feel like dolly parton was like you know yeah. what I'm going to come down here and make sure that all these it, Hollywood types know that even small little country bumpkins think that, you know, progressive female uh, autonomy is a good thing. 
I love Dolly. I love so her love oh, so much. Dolly shines. Dolly's personality shines through in so many. I mean, we know yeah, that she yeah. wrote songs specifically for this, and like "I Will Always Love You" was not written for this, but still put into it. Yeah, but you know when she's just like when she's talking about, I made a comment. You know, uh, on I'm like, uh, if you see someone without a smile, give them yours. Yeah, yeah, like that's such a wholesome Dolly thing to say. Mm-hmm. I am surprised she didn't just also like hand out a free book to all the people that came to the whorehouse. <laughs> you know, like thanks for the money. Here's also a book. Read it. I think you'll like it. Yep. You know? Can I just say? As someone who was a recipient of the Imagination Library uh, that Dolly Parton does um, I, for both of my children, Dolly Parton is the closest thing to a saint that God ever gave mm. us. She is <laughs> she is honestly the only thing about Tennessee that makes me proud to be from Tennessee. Yeah, like she, Dolly Parton mm. is fucking like I'm not even a big fan of her music. Like I don't really listen to it that much. Um, but I just, as a person, I think that she's just extraordinary and I adore her so much. And yeah. And like, again, who she is as a person shines through so much in this movie. You get the sense that it is really very much written to her or like, like, I mean, for example, the, my favorite scene in the movie is the one where she and Bert are just sitting under the stars and talking about, you know, they mm-hmm. see a shooting star. They start talking about aliens and you just talk like about that God because they talk about aliens, not having pickers. <laughs> And from what I've read, much of that scene was ad libbed. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's ad lib. Like they're just that's just them shooting the shit and and like and it's beautiful and wonderful. Like mm-hmm. they're talking. Like she's sitting there. At, it 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 breaks down so many of the kind of like ridiculous political social barriers that we put on things, or like the polarization we have, where people are like, "Oh, you can't be a Democrat and a Christian, or you can't be, you know, you can't believe in these very different." things you know you can't be believe that it's okay for you know sex work to be legal and also read the bible and believe in god and it's like no she is very practical about the way that she feels about everything and she also you know makes the point like yeah jesus was really nice to mary magdalene yeah you know like it's (laughs) she's making these very simple observations that cut through all the bullshit stuff that we constantly get mired in with all these like political discourse. That's just basically people talking at each other in fucking Fox news sound bites and CNN sound bites and all the shit. Like it's just very simple human observations and she believes in a higher power and, and they have this lovely moment together. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I love I that love, so much. I love the line about God forgives. People can't. Why do you think that is? Yes. Yeah. People aren't very godly. Like it's right. It's yeah. So yeah. I wrote that exactly. I, I so love good. that line because like, you know, we've we've talked about this a number of times on the <laughs> podcast before that, you know, I'm I'm a Christian and that basically sums up <laughs> my faith of, yep, I am a Christian because of my faith in God. But, you know, kind of fuck all of those other people that fuck up Christianity and make yeah. it mm-hmm. such a horrible thing. And like that, that right there exactly sums it up is because all of the people who are out there saying, well, God told me, no, he fucking didn't. You are. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, <clears throat> okay. I'm going yeah. to no, stop going down yeah. that, <laughs> down mm-hmm. that rant. Um, but yeah. Like I, I just love Dolly's character. I love their relationship. You know, like when they're sitting there under the stars and you see how close they are and it's such a sweet, <clears throat> loving relationship, but they're still bickering a little bit. 
And uh, yeah, it feels so honest. It feels they feel like they have an incredibly genuine relationship throughout the entire movie. Like at the beginning, their their first scene together, where she gets all dressed up for him, and he's like, "Oh man!" Or no, uh, when Bert walks in and thinks that she was already undressed, like, "Oh, that was my favorite part or the best part." It's like the best part. Yeah. Well, second best. <laughs> he says. He says, "Well, it's in the top two. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, the sneaking around with you bit at the beginning is yeah, so sweet. It's, it's so God, sweet, especially because sweet. she's like, "Here, I bought you some sexy lingerie too," and he's like, "I don't want to wear it." But like all of that bickering back and forth, it didn't end in them getting in a fight. It was loving bickering that then they just kind of have fun with it, and and they're being lighthearted, and it felt so true and so genuine and it felt very optimistic it was like yeah they can bicker but that doesn't mean that they hate each other and then as their relationship goes throughout the movie it brings so much depth like their relationship uh, eric you said that you don't think that it was part of the original stage play um i feel like that gives this movie its heart like without their relationship really pushing it forward i feel like it's just a all right well here's a business in town that i guess people want to keep open but not i don't know but having them at their core and seeing how much they love each other but also how volatile they can get against each other and all of their stresses and how when they're alone with each other whether they're sneaking around or just out under the stars like they're able to be open and honest but without being fighty but then when the stresses of their work and the stresses of just everything else comes into it you know that's when they start yelling at each other there's something that feels so so genuine about their relationship that i feel like is the emotional core of this movie and i love it and i love it and i love it and that's also one of the reasons that it to me it it just feels so awkward at the end like i don't it's not that I don't think that they should belong together. It's just the way that it happens. It feels awkward, you know? It could just be me, though. Well, I mean, I'll say, well, like, what I think works so well about the relationship is, I mean, again, there's the authenticity to it, but it also is so rooted in their roles within this town. And I think that's kind of like, that's where it doesn't bother me so much about, like, who's the star of the film, like, who's the lead character or not, because they both feel like co-leads. It feels like their relationship with each other is the lead of the film because so much of this movie is about not the conflict between the two of them, but the conflict with their role that they have to play in this bigger situation that's going on around them. Like it's such a brilliant idea to have Burt Reynolds be the sheriff of the town because it's like you have this adder coming in. He's the only one who can really, you know, put his foot down and try to stop it in any way. But then once everything finally does come down and they actually decide like, no, you have to shut down the, the, the chicken ranch. Like he's the one who has to deliver that news to her. Right. You know, like he's the one who has to give the order to shut it down. And he's also the one where like, whenever they're talking about trying to lie low when Melvin P. Thorpe is coming to investigate they have that great scene where they're arguing about like they're in the, uh, the sheriff's office and all the different, town people the mayor and everything are arguing whatever like yeah we need to shut it down for two months and he like burt reynolds is like yelling he's like i'll make up my own goddamn mind and then it smash cuts to dolly parton going two months <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and as if that's his as his ah, good god i can't talk as if it's his decision yeah but yeah like that's that's what's so great about it is like the conflict is not necessarily between the two of them and their relationship it's these other external forces that are putting all this pressure on them right um, and it, they feel very, they feel like they're on equal footing. 
shocking to me, even though and, Burt Reynolds probably does have a bit more screen time. And I think that maybe that's where, and, and I really don't want to sound like I'm focusing too much on that because I do love this movie, but with that, with their relationship and their roles in society and like that being the story, because yeah, like you don't get to see that much of Bert being a cop. Like most of what you see is their relationship and just a little bit of copness, and you see a little bit of uh, Dolly being a madam. Like you see a little bit within the context of their relationship until again it gets to kind of that second half, and then it's just about Bert on his journey. And I think that that's where for me maybe that's why it feels like it strays a little bit is because it's straying a little bit from their relationship within their roles within the society and more about his role in yeah. whatever he's doing. So maybe, maybe that I guess is true why it feels a little bit just Dolly's a little arc, bit different for me. Dolly doesn't have as much of an arc in the film because again, as Dan stated, she's, she's already made peace with what she does. Like she right. doesn't have, or not even made peace with it. She just has no, no issues, no conflict with it. She's comfortable in her role, despite the fact that other people think that this is, you know, not something she should do. Like, you know, that this is something that's wrong. Yeah. Um, but, but Burr is the one who like kind of has to deal with, uh, the, uh, the, the image that people have of this place. And he's the one who has to like, he doesn't even really have to make peace with it. Like that's one of the things I think is so brilliant about this movie is like, and what was most surprising to me is at the beginning of the movie, like everyone just kind of like the chicken house is just part of the history of this town. Like the, the, the opening narration with Jim neighbors, who is the funniest fucking person on the God who ever, ex- <laughs> like, Oh my God, every single time he says anything. He's so good. It is, believe, yeah, we mentioned that fucking Jim neighbors is like, it's so fucking funny. Oh, like, the level-headed narrator of this film. It's you know? so good, and like by the end of it, he's like whittled this chain out of wood, which is hilarious. But like his, like I could listen to Jim Neighbors just tell me folksy tales about small town life on an <laughs> endless loop. Like that is just to me, that's heaven. Yeah. Like him, him, when he's using that accent, you know, he's using <laughs> that, his maiden. Yeah. He's like, yep. yeah, he's Gomer Pyle, but he, like, is is he basically kind of like, is this the role that Leslie Jordan now plays in in our? Is Leslie Jordan kind of like the modern day Jim Neighbors or Gomer Pyle? <laughs> he has that same kind of folksiness, and he lives in Chattanooga, which is really close to where uh, Nathan and I are at. And I don't know, I, I just I love Leslie Jordan, but Jim Neighbors yep. feels kind of like the Leslie Jordan of of nineteen eighty two. Um, <laughs> But yeah, him telling the whole story about the chicken house and the, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, the the guys in World War One loved it so much they sent their sons back in World War Two. Right. <laughs> like, that's funny. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, a little bit earlier with the uh, alumni paying for the winning football team and with the parents sending their sons. Like, again, I do. They're love, just a part of this town. Yeah. Like, and again, I love yeah. that commentary of this is so ingrained in society that it's just like, yeah, th- this is just what happens yeah. uh, they took chickens in trade during the depression <laughs> right yeah oh my god this is such a great shot when you so see good. all of those chickens out in the yard it's incredible um but no like the the commentary of it is like nobody ever considered this to be a bad thing until other people outside pressured them to feel that way and right. as soon as as soon as you know the the heat is turned up on them. They immediately turn against the chicken ranch. Yeah. yeah. You know, they immediately like, despite the fact that like this is, they are so ingrained in, in this town and they are such a huge benefit to everyone there. And like, everyone is so like 
open-minded about it too. Like they have, I love the little interviews of people in the town where like there's the woman who talks about how her husband would go up there every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and well, she's like, yeah, I guess women just kind of take care of that themselves, but men need that other release. And well, it's but, so and, funny. And but even, even with her, uh, her little piece where she's talking about like, I guess women now enjoy that where like, even within her right, saying yeah. like, look, sexual liberation was not a part of my upbringing. So that's not a thing that I was ever comfortable with. We're in a different time women are sexually liberated and they actually enjoy having sex. All right. Like even within again, kind of a throwaway line. There's so much that I feel like is packed into that. And yeah, I think that part of the reason, and I can't remember if we uh, mentioned this specific line before or after we actually hit record tonight, but Dolly's line about, I started out poor and worked my way up to outcast. Like that's Hmm. why I think like both of you have been saying, that's why I don't think that her arc is necessarily in place because she doesn't have to find any sort of acceptance because she's like yeah no i was always poor and then i was an outcast and yeah. that's just kind of what i am and so it's like well, I, and I don't even, care what other people think but then bert like he's the one that has to reconcile like he's sneaking around they're sneaking around not because anything would happen to her but because of his job and i mm-hmm. I, I don't know i think maybe that's one of the other things that bugged me where it's like he wouldn't quote unquote take a chance on her until after the chicken house had been shut down. Where it's just like I, I don't come on, dude. But again, well, to, I, again, it seemed to me I almost more like 40, they just forty years difference uh, when it was made now, and me being just a little picky. I get it, but still. I mean, again, that feels very honest. It feels like oh, you know, sure. as the sheriff, he has to maintain a certain kind of image. But even still, to me, it almost felt like sneaking around was just a thing that they like like it just was fun for them more than yeah. anything that they, <laughs> they liked an it. Because, and like it. she talks about hey he's the only person she ever sees anymore um and so it just feels like that's that was just part of their little game with each other like if somebody found out he was sleeping with mona like would it really be that big of a deal i don't know like <laughs> the other big surprise is the only time that dolly ever interacts with other people outside of the town is whenever it shows her at the bank you know and you see that she's is she at the bank or she's doing something. She's donating money or something. And the other women come in and I was like, Oh, this is the moment where it's good. There's going to be tension between her and the town. And the other women, like, again, just kind of like, Oh, Hey, that's Mona. Like they're not, they don't yeah. treat it like a big deal at all. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. The way that they do this, that like, this is something that everyone accepts until all of a sudden, as we said before, there's the pressure is on. And then they're like, they immediately turn against them whenever it isn't beneficial to them. Yeah, and and again, that just feels so truthful, and it feels <laughs> and like I, we haven't mentioned this yet, but I, I want to mention Colin Higgins, the director of this film, was an openly gay man in 1982, and he he, he passed away from an HIV related illness, and like it's you know you get the sense that he is bringing you know his own life experiences to this story, and that like because it's him and because it's Dolly, it that's why this movie is so progressive for 1982 it's very sex positive overall and you know every now and then it might like it's surprising how little it has a misstep in terms of its like progressive politics even though you know as we said there are certain there are certain elements that could be read as very conservative i think that there are just a few things that maybe didn't hold up like it's not that i think that there was necessarily like um uh, like mixed messages in the commentary that was trying to be made i think that it was more of 
and again, we've already mentioned this, the time in which it was made, there were sort of limitations on what could be said or how much could be said and how much the envelope could be pushed in a way that was still challenging people, but also making the characters still relatable enough that you were still rooting for them. Uh, and, you know, like, for example, the the whole Aggie song, like to me, I feel like the movie makes it pretty clear that those Aggie football dudes are kind of incredibly cocky assholes. You know, like when all the yeah. women at the uh, chicken ranch were like, oh, God, not the Aggies. They're all in here like, yeehaw. And and then when the Aggies are singing their song, like, yeah, you know, we're going to show them what's what. Like, we're going to be men. We're going to we're going to throw them around and have our way with them. Like they're presented as just such cocky assholes. And and like I feel like that's a really important thing because there's also within the context of the movie, yay, they're celebrating this football team and um, you know like there's still some not quite glorification of the team, but the recognition of football is a huge part of Texas pride, and so yeah, um, you know like everyone roots for their home team, and so you know when the football team wins, like there's a reason that the alumni and the senator is paying for all this, and like. So there's the, I feel like that does a really good job of tapping into, hey, you're from Texas, you know the Aggies, you're rooting for those Longhorns, woohoo, go Texas, woo! Like, I feel like there's (laughs) enough of getting you quasi-rooting for the characters and, like, loving the Aggie song, like, yeah, this is where Aggie boys get made, as they're singing about, again, being cocky assholes. And, and yeah, so while I, like showering together and stuff. Like I love the there's a fluidity right. to this that is so that is so fun and 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 fresh for for this time period. Yeah, and so I think that by making them like you know relatably lovable while also still calling out their bullshit, if they yeah. were presented as like you know just like like yeah we're gonna get what we want fuck those women like I think that if they had been presented that way there would have been a little bit more pushback and people would have been like, Oh, Hey, what? No, wait, sure. come on now. Like they're just, they're, they're just kids. There's just so, there's so much that the scene with them is so exuberant and yeah. fun and they, and it just goes on for so long. And then as soon as they get there, like they're like peacocking when they show up. And then as soon as they start dancing with the women, the women just immediately take control of the situation yeah. and mm-hmm. they are just butter in their hands. I mean, like they immediately melt and they're just, I mean, you know, I, I just, I love that so much about it where they come in, you know, like 40 people piled into one pickup truck, just like, again, total big dick hot shots or whatever. And then immediately like, nope, I'm, you have your way with me. I am clay in your hands. Well, we're also going to point out too that not only did they do that, but they also threw one to the guy who drove the truck. I was you know, just, just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that little farmer guy who was nice enough to drive that football team there. Right. Like, Come on in, Pappy. You're welcome too. <laughs> you know? But like that's the other thing. And like, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Dan, because I was just about to say such an inclusive place. That's yeah. another bit that shows sort of like the, the the power of the women at the chicken ranch, where it's just kind of like, all right, y'all, you know, think you're big dick football players, whatever. Nope, we're going to show just as much attention to this seeming nobody that is probably going to be so easily forgotten about. And so I, I love that. And and again, I feel like there's so much about this movie that has that commentary, but like kind of tucked away within the social relevance, but also, yeah. and, and it's, it, God, it's such a interesting movie to watch 40 years after it came out and 
for it to be as relevant as it was to question how much of it didn't hold up, but also even as we're discussing it kind of question how much of it was intentionally presented that way to kind of, you know, be, be a little bit of a, a Trojan horse to get that commentary in there. You know, you're, you're rooting for Burt Reynolds because of course the Texans are going to be rooting for their sheriff as he is there defending the whorehouse, you know, like, yeah, I, Maybe, maybe it was intentional for things to be presented the way and it's not an issue of things not holding up but more of a this was how they were being I definitely think it, it is yeah like the movie is 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 like it's so light and breezy and fun but it also is really dense and it, it has very complicated uh it, like it deals with issues in like a pretty complicated way these people despite being like kind of you know over the top characters like all feel genuine and they feel like they have messy emotions and and i i don't know i like that about it i feel like i like how i like that it is a bit complicated and um i, I want to backtrack a little bit because i just thought of something that was really interesting that i had almost forgotten about there's there's an implication in this movie that the men in this town are better because of the chicken ranch i don't know i don't know of a better way to say that but like there's there's a line where they talk about how like if the chicken ranch wasn't there, I reckon these boys would like rape women or something. They're like, they're, they're, at one point someone says something about how like the men would go rape women if the chicken house wasn't there. Yeah. It's, which it's is giving them that safe, crazy. Well, it's giving that safe outlet. It's, it, it's right. Like if you was, know that your kid's going to drink, letting them drink at your house so that, you know, at least they're not driving anywhere and they're safe here rather right. than trying to sneak around and potentially, you know, get uh, get arrested or potentially have to go somewhere and then drive home drunk. So it's more of giving that safe outlet. Because, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just find that really like that's a really big idea to kind of pack into like a fun little musical. That, this movie, like it's so crazy to me that this movie came out in 1982 and was like a massive hit. Like this is a movie with there's a line in the movie that talks about how you can't you, like what's they say something like there's only one thing you can't to can't do and that's say gutter words on TV <laughs> like you can do anything you want you can <laughs> have sex with whatever you want but you can't say gutter words on TV and it's a movie that's called Best Little Whorehouse in Texas and it was such a massive hit it, it was it, the it was the tenth movie of the year. Like, it was the movie that knocked E.T. out of the number one spot. It <laughs> yeah. would like after like six weeks or what E.T. was the number one movie for six weeks. And then Best Little Whorehouse in Texas knocked it down to number two. It was like one of the top rated <laughs> R movies as well. Right. Yeah. Like and honestly, the fact that it's rated R is really interesting to me because one thought that I had was like, I would probably let my son watch this. My oldest son watch yeah. this movie. Yeah. He's 11. Yeah, this this film did better than Chariots of Fire, Annie, <laughs> First Blood, Conan the Barbarian, you know, the Friday the Thirteenth film. Uh, did better than Bert's own Sharky's Machine. Did better than Tron. Like I mean, it, yeah, it, it did better than Cast Bridgemont High. Oh, uh, it was massive. It were E.T. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Rocky Three, On Golden Pond, An Officer and a Gentleman. Porky's, Arthur, Star Trek Two, and Poltergeist. So it's up to Porky's. <laughs> Porky's, wow. yeah. Porky's was uh, Porky's broke a hundred million that year, which is Porky's just, is like the uh, exact opposite of this movie in every possible way. 
I yeah. mean, Porky's is like the movie that Melvin P. Thorpe would would be in. But yeah, it stunned me when I learned that this like made twenty million dollars more than Annie did. Yeah, that's wild. But I mean, the same thing was true of uh, like nine to five too. Like uh, Colin Higgins' last movie, that was a massive hit with Dolly, and and that's another. Like I started watching that movie last night, and it is so good. And it's another like incredibly progressive film for its time. Like the whole movie is just about like how um, uh, oh shit, uh, he's first rate. What's his name? The dude. God damn it. Who? Uh, Dabney Coleman. Uh, Dabney Coleman. Yes. yes. Dabney yeah, Coleman, he's well, first rate. I, I watched 9 to 5 immediately after watching Oh, really? It. Oh, that's cool. I started watching it th- that night and finished it in the morning. But, like, that is such a, like, feminist anthem of a movie. Like, it is yeah. so, like, they they literally are saying, like, you know, we're going to show this uh, sexist, uh, chauvinist pig who's boss or whatever. And there's, like, very long fantasy sequences of them, like, exacting their revenge on him. And in Dolly's case, it's literally like she is ob- her her dream is to objectify him the way he objectifies her. Like it is so good. Um, well, but anyway, like so I feel wait, wait, like this wait, is wait, the kind really of quick, thing. Wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. As we're talking about nine to five. Go ahead. So I did not realize that it was by the same director. Thinking yeah. about nine to five and thinking uh, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but thinking about all of the the themes in that movie and the way that it was presented. That was a big city movie, you know, like that was about yeah. a big city office building where a big high power businessman was, uh, you know, harassing his female employees. And so I like in, in thinking about uh, the way that Best Little Horror House presented some of the themes, knowing that it's from the same director to me, that only adds even more emphasis that mm. that all of these themes were I mean, obviously they were intentional, but so incredibly intentional about how they were presented because it's almost like nine to five and best little whorehouse are the same, you know, basically the same, uh, the same story, not necessarily the same story, have some of the same themes of, um, of female empowerment, but with the one that's set place in a big city, it is much more aggressive and much more. We're going to kidnap him and he is going to get his comeuppance because fuck that dude. But the one that's set mm-hmm. in Texas, where it's like, all right, if we're going to get a Texas audience to be rooting for these characters, we need to throw in more of that Texas style. Like, I think that if it had been yeah, more nine to five style, I think that it would have felt out of place. And I think that a lot of people, I don't think that it would have had the same uh, reception because I think that maybe a lot more people in the South and a lot more Texans would have been like, well, that's that's not. And uh, let me clarify. I don't think that everyone in Texas is this way. Uh, there, there are some very good Texans that I know. So this is not supposed to be a sweeping generalization of every single Texan. It is more of the culture of the South. And we uh, say this mm-hmm. speaking as people who live in the South and seeing this on a much more regular basis. You know, if, uh, if best little, if nine to five had been set, uh, where we live here in Tennessee, it, people would have been like, well, pff, what, what do those women expect? Whereas if Best Little Whorehouse sure. was set here and had that same sort of story and you had the sheriff like, all right, yeah, you're rooting for the sheriff because blue lives matter as they're protecting <laughs> the whorehouse because sex it, work is work. Yeah. Like it, it feels so much more subversive. And I did not realize that it, it has the, the director. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it also like I think that's part of the reason why this movie had such mass appeal to a certain extent is it has that very like 
outlaw spirit, that don't tread on me yeah. kind of spirit that a lot of people around here, you know, claim to want, you know, claim, you know, claim that's the way that they feel about things while also wanting to constantly oppress other people well, who are different from it's them. Don't tread on me parentheses while also letting me tread on you. Yeah. <laughs> don't tread on me while I tread on thee. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has that, it has that outlaw spirit where it's like, yeah, you're the big city folk are moving in on our turf. So we got to push them back and they're trying to change our way of life. Yeah. Even if our way of life is the kind of thing that most people wouldn't agree with now. I, and I think too, like having Dolly in it also for whatever reason, Dolly is like untouchable despite the fact that she is like, you know, very pro LGBT, uh, mm-hmm. Q and, and she's, she is very clearly a, a pretty progressive person and she, you know, believes in socialist ideas like giving people free books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but for whatever I reason, people in this house the, still adore her. Yeah. Cause I remember when the whole like, let's boycott Disney, Disney world thing was happening with a lot of the, the, the Southerners and they were like, go spend your money at Dollywood instead. And even though Dollywood, I can say this, I had Dollywood season passes when COVID hit and, you know, they extended them or whatever, but I didn't get to use them the way that I wanted to because of that. But anyway, like Dollywood is also very like they were very good about putting in uh you know, all of the types of things that conservatives hated, all the different, all the kind of precautions and stuff that you would <laughs> expect a place to do. And so I'm surprised that, at least in that case, people didn't boycott Dollywood. But <laughs> for whatever reason, yeah, Dolly is just untouchable, it it's seems. Because no, she's our nothing lady she of the does holiday. ever really makes conservatives too mad. Yep. She's like the one person that I feel like everyone can kind of agree on as like. As a, as a great yeah, person. When, when someone says that they hate Dolly, you kind of look at them like, all right, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just evil. Yep. Uh, hey, um, you know what we have not yet talked about, even though we've been dancing around it a lot throughout this episode? We've been dancing around it. What, what, <laughs> like what are, in the movie. What are we're we're dancing are. around it like the Maggie boys in the locker room. We, we have not yet talked about our favorite songs of the movie. Um, that's true yeah we haven't talked about the music that much <laughs> which is <laughs> this movie insane. it does a, it has a weird thing where it goes a really long period of time without a song and like the the bit with melvin p thorpe and everything like that at the beginning like there's i guess they have the the little texas has a whorehouse in it diddy but it's a mm-hmm. diegetic kind of thing and so it doesn't feel and it's also just like is there anything else to the song other than that <laughs> I don't really feel like there are other lyrics to it. But yeah, it goes a long time whenever Burt Reynolds is like going down to the TV station or whatever. And then that's when you get that. Uh, oh. I think because it goes so long, you get that incredible like 15 minute sequence with the Aggie boys and then them dancing at the, oh. with the chicken. Because anyway. as, as that deleted scene that we talked about earlier has showcased, if you're going to have Burt on screen, you probably shouldn't have a musical. <laughs> you probably, probably shouldn't be singing. Yes, it's best to just let the acting go on during that part. So, of the three movies that we've covered this month, with Little Shop of Horrors, The Apple, and Best Little Horror House in Texas, I feel like Little Shop of Horrors had the most songs in it. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't much yeah. dialogue in Little Shop because it, it felt like most of it was being sung. But be that as it may, I feel like Best Little Whorehouse in Texas was the most musical of the movies that we watched. Like it had the most 
I, I don't know. It, it felt like the most I am watching a musical aspect to it, and I, I don't I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's because of the whole dolliness of it. Maybe it's because there was that sort of infusion of songs that are telling the story. Um, you know, like when when Dolly's singing the. Um, Oh, when she's singing the "Nothing Dirty Going On," um, or the mm. uh, when when Melvin is singing best, or, uh, uh, "Texas Has a Whorehouse in It," like there's all of these things mm. that are telling the story. Some of them are diegetic, some of them are non-diegetic. In fact, the one that to me does not land the most is "I Will Always Love You," and it just it felt uh, what I, look tonally. Wow, it, mm. it felt the most out of place because because the emotion during that scene it felt like such a a a, a quiet stoic moment of That's thinking perfect. about themselves and thinking about their relationship and questioning what's going to happen are will she stay will she go is Bert going to go with her like there's so much that i feel like is being unsaid right there that for dolly then to bust out and i will always love you it it felt too grand for that scene, it did it, it. It felt more like it needed. A, just, I think that makes sense. I, I don't I know. May, maybe more of like a ballad or like um, I, I don't know. It just it felt too grand. The, the in ending that of the moment. movie really is kind of. Yeah. I feel like if she had sung that song as she was driving away without him, right? That would have worked yeah. better for me, right? Or if it was it more is, like it, a softer, like weepier, like I will always love you. Now go, mm-hmm. like and, and, mm-hmm. and again, I love Dolly. There's nothing against that song. It's just when it got there, it's like this feels out of place somehow. I don't know. I think it's because all of the other musical numbers are so energetic and so choreographed and like outlandish. It's the only time that it's just one person singing and there's no choreography. It's just she's just standing there and she's just singing directly to him, which I think is the right way to go for that song. But but it, I, I can definitely see why it stands out in that case and and again i do think the ending the ending does feel a bit rushed and a little out of place overall yeah um so i think that is part of it but man i'm not even like like i said i don't listen to dolly that much and i you know some of her songs i can kind of take or leave but when she starts singing i will always love you like i had like full body chills (laughs) when she starts singing the song and it's just incredible Oh god, it's so now, good. If if she had repurposed Jolene into Ed Earl, <laughs> that would have worked. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> there had been a political consultant who was going to make Bert the senator named Jolene. Yes. <laughs> yes, maybe that's in the sequel. Uh, oh. So, Eric, let's start with you. Because I think that we started with Dan last time. What uh, what is your favorite song? in Best Little Horror House in Texas. So I'm going to go, my runner-up is actually the very first song in the movie, the 20 Fan song. Uh, I love that one. That whole sequence is just a perfect way to kick off the movie, and it's so much fun. And it's just very energetic, and, and a really, like, strange kind of way to present that information where it's like 20 fans are going to because the fever's burned or whatever. I can't remember the lyrics on it, but sure. um, I really like that song a lot. And I feel like it's one that most people probably wouldn't think of for this movie. But I mean, honestly, like it's, it's undeniable. The sidestep is 
the absolute MVP of this movie. It is the most incredible sequence in, I mean, like any movie. There, there are a few movies that have sequences as good as The Sidestep with Charles Durning. It is fucking unbelievable. So, so funny. The bit where he is like saying, now you see me, now now you don't, when he's on the like balcony area and he like goes behind the pillar and then he comes out on the other side. And he Scooby-Doo's it. Yeah. He's Oh my God, it's so Man. fucking funny and incredible. Like it, it achieved, it is like pitch perfect in its satire in the performance like Charles Durning I also love when he's in the limo and he's literally like singing directly to the camera and he's like got his hands up like this <laughs> and he's kind of shimmying back and forth in the seat it's just the most delightful thing I've ever seen in a movie incredible stuff it's such and it's such a fun song that gets stuck in your head it's the one that's been stuck in my head the most yeah and let, let me tell you his little thing that he does where he puts his hat on sideways and then turns his head oh, and yeah. walks off. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much because it, like, it's, it's just one of those little quirks that adds in so much character to uh, the way that he's playing him. And, and again, tons of commentary in that song of, yeah, politicians are just, you know, double talking assholes where all that he's doing is just <laughs> sidestepping not actually answering anything it is it is a glorious song uh dan what about you what is your favorite song in uh best little whorehouse as wonderful as that song is i just love the the one that just introduces you really to the whole place with customers and it's not kind of telling you the history of the place but Little old tiny pissant country place. <laughs> that song is just joyous. Um, I love that it's just showing like the everyday workings of a whorehouse and yep. how well it how well it operates. <laughs> yep. And and the way that uh, Dolly goes through and it's like, look, the the reason that uh, this is a good place is because we keep everything clean and you know the the mm-hmm. the women get tested and you know. Don't bring your problems in. Like it, it's done in yep. such a way where it's like, yeah, it's sex work, but there's nothing dirty going on here. Like the sex mm-hmm. work is work. Love it. Yeah. Nothing much to see. Get a nice quiet. Cra- no, what, mm-hmm. no drinking allowed. We get a nice quiet, quiet crowd. Good God. I cannot speak today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very orderly whorehouse. Exactly. You know? Well, and I, that, that song is so, it has such an odd kind of tempo to it. Um, and again, it is, it almost becomes almost like a rap. Like Dolly doesn't really sing for a lot of it. Like she's mostly kind of talking melodically for a lot of it, which is kind of fun. I do like that a lot. Um, yeah. And do they, I think they kind of, I don't know if they sing it twice or if, if there's like a reprise of it or if they, there's a reprise at the, the little bit during the credits. Yeah. Oh, okay. That must be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. They do do that at the credits. That's right. All right. So, I love almost every song, and I really enjoyed all of them for different reasons. Uh, I, I I love the uh, Little Pissant uh, Country Place. I love the 20 Fans. Like All of these are great, great, great songs. I think that for me, the three that I liked the most, and for, for very different reasons, um, and I'll give the reason. Uh, no, I'll just go ahead and give the reasons. So the reason that I like these three songs the most is because to me, they felt the most musical. So it's not that they were my favorite songs. It's not that I think that they were the best songs. 
it's when I think of like musical, what started this entire conversation a couple of months ago in terms of like what makes a musical, these three felt like the most, you know, like big M musical performances that made this a musical rather than just a movie with music. So my number three is Hard Candy Christmas because like that is the sad ballad of the movie i wish that it carried more emotional weight for the reasons that we talked about earlier of i wish that i knew any of the characters names other than miss mona um but you know maybe they say it is and i just overlooked them but i just i i wish that that movie carried more weight um it it felt like Mm. it's great and it also uh just, I just want to add really mm-hmm. quick. It, it's one of the few songs that has like a, well, I mean, maybe not one of the few, but it, I just like the colloquialism of hard candy Christmas. Like this movie is just filled to the brim with so many fun little Southern colloquialisms. And that's one of the few songs where like, it kind of sticks out to me. Um, it, it's like the song version of, of Burt Reynolds walking into a room and talking about how something slicker than cat shit on linoleum or whatever. <laughs> like it feels like such a Southern saying. Yeah, so so anyway, I, love, I, I love Hard Candy Christmas again because it's the one scene of the movie that it feels like I'm getting to know more of the women at the chicken ranch. My number two mm-hmm. is Sidestep for all of the reasons that you mentioned, Eric, because it is just glorious and Charles Darning is amazing. The little hat turn is one of the best quirks in in all of cinema, so and the way funny. that like never been a talking away better just, encapsulation of a politician on screen ever. Like yeah. it is just pitch perfect satire. Yeah, and and again, forty years later, and it is still it's like yep, this is Ted Cruz running away as his people freeze to death, literally. So, uh, what's the Adkin? What shit? What's the governor of Texas? What's his name? Oh, I don't Abbott. Know. Abbott. Yeah. yeah, Abbott. Yeah, yeah. It's Governor Abbott. For sure. <laughs> and my number one, and we've already talked about this a ton throughout this episode. My number one song in uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Again, not my favorite song, not the best music, not the, the song that gets stuck in my head, but the song to me that felt the most grand and the most epic and the most musical and the the uh, the most like song and dance of, of everything is uh the the aggie song because it yeah. is like a 10 minute song and dance and like it's it's the, the the choreographed dancing and it feels like that big production the big musical number yeah you know, similar to what we talked about with um um uh skid row where like that felt like the most musical song of little shop of horrors because it was the ensemble song starting everything off the the aggie song having them all dance in the shower and then like progressively get dressed and doing all of their little dance steps. It, it <laughs> well, felt... Progressively get undressed and then get <laughs> and dressed. Then, and then redressed. <laughs> and then like, yeah, when, when they're all on the truck and you see just the silhouette come over the hill, like there's just something so grand about all of it. And even though I don't like any of those characters, because again, they're all kind of presented as a, as, as a bit assholey. Um, I just, I love the, the grandeur of that entire sequence. Um, and not my favorite, also, but the most <clears throat> musical song for me. So I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. That is my favorite musical sequence of the movie. Like I was, I was thinking mostly, I guess, I mean, I love the, I, the Charles or anything, but yeah, as you said, like it is the one big musical sequence and it is just like, I had the biggest smile on my face the entire time that sequence is going on. It is 
incredible. Yeah. Um, because it just kept going. Like you have them doing it, like their little for so long. Well, because you have them singing their song as they're getting undressed. Like, yeah, you know, this is the night that uh, history and Aggie uh, boys get made. And then they're in the shower. It's like, all right, well, clearly they're going to end after the shower. Nope. Now we're going to have a dance number in their boots with no shirts on. All right. And nope. Now we're going to have another dance number as they're all putting their shirts on. All right. Now it's going to, nope. Now they're going to have another dance number. Now they're, they're on the do, bus. Now and they're, they're on dancing the on bus. the bus. All right. Surely the it's going to, nope. Flat tire. Now they're going to be singing uh, on, on the truck. Surely it's going to end when they get to the chicken ranch. Nope. They're going to keep doing their dance number. Surely it's going to, nope. It's still going. Like, yeah. I, I love how grand that entire sequence is. And it would have been a much shorter movie without so it. Good. I don't think that it would have been the same. I, yeah, love, love that entire. Well, for sequence. me, I feel like my lasting impression of this movie is that I want every scene to be longer. Like sure. I, this is the kind of movie that I just want to live in. Like I want a feature length version of Dolly and Bert just hanging out talking under the stars. I want the feature length <laughs> version of Jim Neighbors telling me folksy stories. I want the feature length version of just like the Aggie guys and the chicken ranch girls dancing in the backyard doing their little like uh what is it like a prom thing? I don't know they make it out to be like this homecoming dance or something yeah they wear like ball gowns and stuff yeah they have ball yeah. gowns and then they take the dresses off and they're wearing their like lingerie underneath <laughs> and it's so good like I want every every scene of this movie could be like you know, ten times as long, and I would be thrilled. Yeah, their their so tearaway cotillion dresses are just amazing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, now, I I will say the sidestep. I've re-listened to that song like five times this week. So yeah, yeah, that one that, that one gets in your head. It's so good. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. Yeah. I feel good about this one, guys. I feel like I feel like I need to like pull out a cigarette and take a nice <laughs> long drag off of it. I'm very satisfied with how this has gone. Yeah, it's uh, <sighs> sex jokes. I'm too tired to make them. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sex jokes. <laughs> oh, I had man. a bunch of jokes. I was like, I'm too tired to actually put those into coherent sentences. Um, I'm just gonna say thank you to the audience members for picking great movies. I mean, like they, we can't we cannot argue with their taste. At the end of the day, like as bad as we would maybe sometimes like to eschew the conventional wisdom and and try to uh, go in a different direction. Sometimes, like these are, I'm so thrilled that these are the three movies we had. Yeah, and to be fair, the five audience picks again were the Apple Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Little Shop of Horrors, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know that y'all didn't love one of those and Eric, you didn't love another one of them, but like uh-huh. those would have made it to the list had the audience not yeah. included them. Like yeah. I, I know Eric, sure. that you would have put little shop of horrors because that was the, as you've admitted the entire reason that you wanted to do musicals. Yeah. I would have put Rocky horror on there to uh, make sure that there were two Richard O'Brien, uh, Richard O'Brien films in there. <laughs> Dan, I know you'd have done uh, Hedwig, and you probably also would have done the Apple. So it's like, if yep. if we rounded it out to twenty, all coming from us, these would have made it on there. 100%. Like, there's not any that were audience picks that were like, oh man, how how did that slip by? So, yeah, and Best Little Horror Two was was like my second. I mean, it was right under Little Shop for me. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So good. It is not so a short movie. I, I want to rewatch it, but it's like, man, that, that was two hours. 
<laughs> I don't. Mm, I'm just gonna rewatch some of the songs. Yeah, if you look it up on YouTube, like all of the all of the great musical sequences are just right there to to watch and the Aggie song and all that. I mean, you know, I, I did rewatch a few of the of the because it's been like a fucking week since I've watched this movie, guys. I don't know if you know this, but we've delayed this episode <laughs> so many times. Oh, I'm so trying to refresh my memory. Re uh, reschedule this. We we had to reschedule this so many times that uh, I spend at least one of those days rewatching shock treatment is uh how long it's been <laughs> between when well, we're supposed to record and when we are recording that's just a thing you do every day though right like it's just you just shock treatment's just part of your daily routine at this point now i mean um yes and also i don't want to oversell that movie also i really think you guys should give it a chance it is it is a good movie and if you go into it with the video monsters analysis lens of diving into the themes, you might not love some of the songs, but I, I think that we could easily have uh, a, a very robust episode diving into the commentary that's being made in that movie. Also, some of the sure, songs yeah. are catchy. I mean, I want to watch it. What'd you think? I said also some of the songs are catchy as hell. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I've, I definitely want to. Like, I still like. I watch the trailer and I have the shark treatment song stuck in my head sometimes, <laughs> just from the trailer. So, <laughs> I'm sure I'd like it. It just, uh, just maybe wasn't a. Uh, wasn't if right. anything, I'm just not watching it to spite you. <laughs> yeah, you you're pushing it too much. <laughs> One of these days, I'm gonna pull rank and it's just like, all right, listen. Uh, Twenty of the movies in the Skull of Decisions, and they're all shock treatment. So <laughs> it's just a shock treatment. Uh, the theme is shock treatment, and we're gonna put shock treatment in there 16 times. And uh, all right, I know that that's a joke, but also, I would love. For us to do as a bit, uh, where we do a punch out, where every movie in there is the same movie, but we play <laughs> it completely seriously. So we send out the poll where all thirty movies are just the same. Okay, we've got all right. <laughs> top then, five shock treatment, and then we treatment. go through and talk about like why we're adding our five picks, and then we have twenty uh, shock treatments, and we have to actually discuss it every single time. <laughs> Read the read the synopsis every single time. Maybe not read the. Synopsis. That would be a that bit, might be that a would bit just exhausting. be like that bit might be a bridge too far. I mean, <laughs> I do like the idea though. We we, we can uh, we can do it for Groundhog Day. Oh, that's a great idea. If 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 for any movie Groundhog Day is it, I'm I'm not opposed to that. And then we just rewatch Groundhog Day three times and discuss it three different ways. <laughs> I'm actually like I'm 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 a little on board for this. Like I'm I'm halfway there. <laughs> I mean our our winter theme punch out is not that far away. We can put Groundhog Day and that's it as one of the themes. <laughs> oh man. Yep. Uh we uh I don't I don't know if I have anything else to say. I, I love this movie, but I think that we've kind of touched on all of the the main commentary um I, we, we've mentioned this but i don't think that we spent a whole lot of time uh, really addressing it i think the acting is great throughout i think that everyone does a, a really great job again dolly just feels so natural and so earthy and it feels like she's not acting it feels like she's just being herself but because of that 
it feels so natural on camera. Bert is great as always when uh, when, when the the first scene of them sneaking around, where he pulls his pants down and he's just waddling across the room. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Uh, this this movie is how sexy he is. He's got his pants around his ankles. <laughs> I fully believed that he would never wear those underpants in real life. Like the what was it? What they call the Japanese slingshot? Yeah. So, oh yeah. <laughs> I I, will, I I would be willing to bet that he when they said that he might have to wear that in the movie he had that exact same argu- argument with a set dresser or something you know they just filmed it yeah that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking I was like whenever they were making the making it into a big to do I was like there's no way we're going to see Burt Reynolds in this underwear it is not going to happen see, not until I, was, I don't know I though there thinking. is that great isn't that isn't the the their picture of Burt Reynolds like naked on a bearskin rug out there somewhere oh yeah oh yeah he was in Playgirl yeah it was like see, a big, okay. See, Maybe he I was thinking that he brought but those from he, home, and those were his. He did, personal. He did wear a banana hem in in strip tees. Burt Reynolds is in strip tees. Oh yeah, I don't think I did. Yeah, he play, he he play, he plays a politician in strip. No, not is he a politician or a business businessman? Either one, very powerful Florida man who uh, <laughs> likes to date the strippers so, and oil himself up. What Dan? What <laughs> I hear you saying? Is that we need to do a theme of strip timber? Sure. Get Magic Mike, Magic Mike XXL in there. Strip tease, showgirls, zombies versus mm-hmm. strippers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them. We could we could uh, we could easily make that happen. I can't wait to tell my wife that that's going to be one of the one of the <laughs> themes we're. We're doing a movie about strippers. Yeah. Please vote. <laughs> yeah, because then uh, she can vote on which movie she wants to make sure that you are not watching. <laughs> oh, man. My wife uh, is, is much more liberated. She would not mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. She lets me watch what I want. I don't even have to cover my so best that is little, true yeah we definitely have magic mike in there she'd vote for those yeah so best little whorehouse in texas it's a great movie it's funny it's musical it's it's heartwarming it's got yes yes did you remember something dan yeah, oh yeah we'd have to include the full monty man. oh yeah oh of course yeah yeah <laughs> all right we, we i've never then. seen it actually but i oh I mean, my that's one of those movies that was like a massive hit it it worked so much better for because I saw it when it first came out when I was like Christ like twenty two or twenty three and it was it was fine but I watched it like two years ago and that movie hits differently when you're a man in your forties oh yeah right <laughs> and as opposed to a man in your twenties that film is fucking brilliant I love that movie so much I hot, like. Andrea will adhere, will adhere to this. I can't hear the song "Hot Stuff" come on the radio without like going like doing the, the little move there that they do in that without uh, shimmying a little bit. Yeah. So here's, here's one of the only downsides if we do end up doing a strip timber that's during our Halloween coverage. So we would have to uh, find some other way to incorporate Halloween or uh, oh no no uh, what we could do. I don't. I don't know why I'm leaving all this in the podcast, but I am. Uh, we could do strip timber, which is all about taking off all of your clothes, and then October would be a theme about all getting into your Halloween costume. There you go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right. All right, guys. Strip Timber next month. Next, <laughs> next year, my God. Not next month. <laughs> yeah, a year I'm from a little now. too eager there. <laughs> a little ahead of ourselves. All right. I can't think of anything else that I want to say about Best Little Horror House in Texas. I, I love this movie. It was a first-time watch for me, and I adored it. It was so much fun. Again, a few minor complaints here and there, but nothing that took away from my overall okay. enjoyment. It, it's just in some of that deeper analysis that my brain doesn't shut off. Uh, but even within that, so much to dissect with this movie, so much to discuss, so many themes that are buried in it. Some of them are in your face. Others are, uh, you know, tickling your ass with a feather. And and I just, <laughs> it's a great movie. I love it. Glad we discussed it's it. It's choreographed. We didn't talk about the dance sequences, but like Colin Higgins is a director who knows how to shoot people dancing. They're long takes. They're wide or they're like uh, medium shots and wide shots. Like you can see the choreography and it doesn't do a whole lot of cutting and it's great. And these people like really know how to dance and they're very, uh, I mean, they're very extravagant musical numbers. Like, yeah, it's just so much fun. And, and of course, Burt Reynolds uh, and Dolly Parton are just charisma incarnate. I mean, they are the two most magnetic people, like two of the most magnetic people I ever put to screen. Like you cannot take your eyes off of them. So anyway, I'm done. Let's move on. We're good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dan, any closing thoughts about best little whorehouse in Texas? Uh, Dolly can do no wrong. Um, this, it was fun seeing Burt Reynolds on the other side of the law for once, <laughs> <laughs> not being on the run from the law. Yeah. We love this film. Great. Great early 80s you know film other side of the law but still on the wrong side of politicians so it Mm -hmm. still fit into his mo (laughs) oh yeah he still had that he still had that uh bandit streak in him yep uh eric any closing thoughts from you about best uh no i i kind of i kind of prematurely gave my closing thoughts if you will (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah i just love it I, i adore this movie uh yep and i so much fun it just couldn't be legal i (laughs) yep and uh yeah but it is legal because it was a movie that was released and we watched it without having to download it i paid for this movie guys i don't know if you know this but i i don't do this very often but i literally paid money to well to jeff bezos to rent it from amazon prime (laughs) i spent uh oh what and one last we went through this whole film and i forgot to mention the horror, the best little horror house in Texas is, oh. is the house of a thousand corpses. Yes, I'm so glad that you said this. Yeah, they it's shut the same the, house. It's the same house. Yeah, I'm. Oh my god, I'm so glad you did that because I <laughs> I saw that earlier and I was like, I have to mention this. So like the head cannon, of course, is they shut down the chicken <laughs> ranch and then the Firefly family just happened to move into it and take it over. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same house. That's unbel- it's so amazing. Yep. Hey, did did we uh, mention at any point during this episode that this was all based on like a real story? Yeah, the guy who wrote the screenplay like was basically like kind of the Melvin P. Thorpe of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then he made the he wrote the screenplay, which is really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like a CBS report or something, and I think it was. Well, I, I looked this up earlier. It was called, it wasn't called. The segment was not called the best little whorehouse in Texas, but it was called like the best little cat house in Texas or something like that. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I might look that up. Yeah, where like uh, he he thought that the uh, he he thought that the whorehouse was like a like underground uh, 
not gambling, but like, um, oh, what's what I'm looking for? But basically, that there was like a lot of uh, criminal activity and like yeah. money back and forth, and but like then he couldn't find any evidence of it, but he was still like dead set on presenting it as if it were fact. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, some very interesting background with this as well. All right. I can't think of anything else that I want to talk about with this movie. Uh, I want to keep talking about it, but it's just going to be either diving into the, Oh yeah. And I also love this or just repeating ourselves. So let's go ahead and start closing things out. Dan, where do you want people to find you? You can find me over on Twitter, Twitter at HBO to front row and on HBO to front row.com. And Eric, where can people uh, trade you chickens for your thoughts? (laughs) Um, yeah they can do that on twitter at the chimerican uh it's t-h-e-c-h-i-m-e-r-i-c-a-n uh i'm also on instagram at chimerican reviews and on letterboxd at eric j-a-y and you can follow me slash the podcast on facebook twitter instagram letterboxd at video monster pod you can also follow me personally on letterboxd at the gargoyle that's g-a-r-g-y-l-e because it's a gargoyle wearing an argyle sweater uh and eric what can people do if they enjoy this episode um i don't know i guess they can like rate and review and subscribe and all that good stuff on whatever podcast app that they use uh, because that is a good thing to do. It makes us feel good about ourselves. It lets other people maybe we might show up in the the algorithm for some other people. Maybe they'll listen to us and maybe we can grow and do more and all that good stuff. So yeah. uh, Tell us how great we are and we appreciate it very much. And Dan, why should people keep coming back? Uh, They should keep coming back because next week or next episode we kick (laughs) off a brand new punch out episode where we celebrate august where we are going to pick our maybe not necessarily three favorite but damn it if they'll they will not be all audience picks i will make sure with this month <laughs> australian based films written by directed by starring made in taking place at australia I, I yep. love how much animosity you have towards the audience picks. <laughs> can I can I make a suggestion? Because I thought of this the other day, and I feel like this might be better. Why didn't we just go with Australia? <laughs> because that, like it's Australia exploitation. Like, like- even though we're not going purely with exploitation, but you know, it's it's and because you have August, so it's just tossing in the you know like Aussie, like it's an August. <laughs> I like it. I like Oz Gust because it kind of sounds like Oz Chucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Oz Gust. We are going to Oz Gush about the movies that uh, we watch and love during Oz Gust. You're right. That's a better title. I'm dumb. Yeah. It's okay. Fire it's me now. It's We're okay. going to put another shrimp on the Barbie, drink a Foster's, and have some Vegemite. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had me till the Vegemite. 
Uh, <laughs> and if you want to be a part of the popcorn punch out where you can be a part of the conversation and try to sway our votes mid episode, be sure to join us in discord. Just scroll down wherever you're listening to this episode and the link to discord is there. Uh, we try to record those every Tuesday night at nine, but obviously with kids and work and stuff, eh, sometimes it gets pushed around, but, um, but yeah, join us not just for the popcorn punch out, but for all of our episodes recorded live in discord usually all right (laughs) that's been it for this episode of video monsters where we take movies seriously we do not take ourselves seriously y'all come back now here uh i was gonna do it if you didn't (laughs) how could i not end with that why did you sound Australia? You didn't sound like very Southern on yours. You- <laughs> no, I, 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 I leaned into what's coming next. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, Nathan, your, your, your accent was, was uh, I don't know what you were doing there. It's because. It was good, though. I liked it. It was, it was more of like the, <clears throat> look, I apparently can't do a Texan accent. I can do other Southern accents. The, the only way that I can do a Texan accent is if I like go full into like the foghorn leghorn style. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's just it's not that's not what it was. How, how about this? Well, Dolly doesn't have a Texas accent. How about this? <clears throat> Y'all come back now. You hear? Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That was so foghorn leghorn. <laughs> I love it.